When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. With pace, real pace. And that is huge. That's the biggest one tonight. On the roof. Full pitch and bang. Bang, bang, bang. It's gone. Welcome to Stumps. Big one, welcome to Stumps around Australia. Heaps to get through. A lot of cricket turned away and to look forward to this evening as well. We've got a super over, believe it or not, in the WBBL. We'll get to that in a tick. Tristan Fernando with you once again. On the show tonight, we'll hear from cult figure subfielder. Uh, cult figure subfielder. Did I get that right? Mickey Edwards to join us. He uh, created the, the stir. At the, the new Nathan Lyon. Yes, correct. He Sorry. stole the stage last week. <laughs> we'll also hear from Brett Jeeves after he raised the ire of one Darren Lehman. That was the voice of Swerve and Mervyn Hughes, who's back with us. Merv, good to see you. Chris, always good to be back. Big week in cricket. One day as test matches all over the place. 2020's going off. The women's big bash. Club cricket, there's junior pathways, cricket, junior cricket, suburban cricket happening all over Melbourne. So busy, busy time for cricketers around Victoria especially. If you live and breathe it, you're in your element. Oh, yes. And tonight, double header. Yes, that's in the men's, in the women's. It's a super over, the Sixers and the Thunder as a curtain raiser at the SCG. Uh, Scores were tied. The Sixers, three for seven. They need two to win off this last delivery. Oh, run hard. And it was a slower ball. They've scurried through for a single, but that's all she wrote. It's the thunder that prevail. If they need two to win, it's a match tied. Sorry, a match tied after all that. Yeah. So what do they do now? Another super Uh, over? That's a very good question. That is quite staggering. We'll watch on with interest and update you. <laughs> well, if they need two to win, they only get one. It's another tie. So do they go into another super over? What, what do they do? I'm completely bamboozled by it. Yep. They, they must... Well, the Thunder think they've won the game because they're high-fiving and carrying on. So oh, oh, they just realised, oh, that's right. It's, oh, it's a draw. It's a t- well, oh, some are sure. saying the Thunder have hit more boundaries during regulation play. Uh, so this is off Twitter. Alison Mitchell, respected uh, radio producer and commentator, are crowd aware of the countback rule. If scores are tied in the super over, get it up on the big screen. If not already, she asks. And apparently that rule is, as I just read, from the sixes on Twitter as well, the Thunder have hit more boundaries during regulation, which means they have claimed victory. What a stupid Amazing rule. stuff. What an absolute stupid rule. They should go on wickets. Well, another super over wouldn't go astray. Well, either. another super over keeps everyone on the edge of their so seats. So, if the if they have to play another, if they did play another over, would that be a super super over? <laughs> it would be something to that effect. <laughs> yes. Uh, as it turns out, though, the Thunder upstaging their more fancied rivals. The Six are sitting at Sixes sitting atop the table. The Thunder in sixth position, chalk up their fifth win. Well, the Thunder are reigning champions, aren't they? In the men's. Well, women's Yeah, too. women's as well, they, yes. They won the women's. So um, it, it doesn't matter what you talk about. And we say that the, the Sixers are more fancied, yet the Thunder are coming off a, a championship last year. So, you know, I suppose, um, you know, the personnel changed a little bit. But uh, tight games. And we're seeing it um, in the women's big bash. We're seeing it in the men's big, big bash. How many games are going down to the last over, the last ball? And, in fact, I, I reckon that's the first super over this year. Um, from memory, so uh, it's amazing that... I think you're right. Yeah, it's amazing that there hasn't been more games. And, gee, the Renegades, um, we know they're struggling a little bit, but they've lost two games off the last ball of the game So um, in that last over. So, yeah, very interesting. We'll talk more very about the Renegades a little later on. Yes. The first of the one day as was played yesterday. Matt Wade, the star of the show, sealing victory for the Aussies. He worked his way to his maiden one-day international century off the final ball of the innings. Took Australia to 268. Pakistan's bowling, it seemed good. It uh, 
Well, I reckon faded away five, late in the piece. Five for 75, they had the Aussies, and you had Maxwell and Wade in, and, and they combined for a very good partnership. Max, you got 50-odd, and, and Wade, as you said, 100 off 100 balls. Um, so while he was under pressure... He kept the run rate ticking over too, and I think it's his 78th game, I heard somewhere, uh, mm-hmm. for his first 100, and you know he's batted up the order. And Having a look at that team yesterday, I was actually quite surprised that he didn't open the batting. Um, with Kawaja not in, and they went with Head at the top, um, I thought it, uh, it was open there for Wade to open the batting, and everyone slide down, one to give him a little bit of hitting power at the end, but I suppose it doesn't matter if you're going to open the batting or, or bat at seven as Wade did. Um, you've got hitting power, and, and certainly Wade was the difference in the game between the Australians and the Pakistanis. And gee, of the Australian bowlers, Faulkner four wickets, um, probably unheralded a little bit because all eyes would have been on Pat Cummings and, and Mitch Stark. And uh, Cummings didn't didn't let people down. Three three for thirty three of eight point four overs. He's been very expensive in the 2020, but came out and did a good job and bowled a lot of slower balls. And Mitch Stark. Um, two for 34 off eight overs. So after his heavy workload, I was actually surprised that he played, but they rested Hazelwood. Stark played, did a good job, so they might just um, interchange those two for the Melbourne game. We'll hear from Matt Wade a little later on in the hour. Merv, I ask you, where is one-day cricket at? Because so much has been spoken about the popularity of the Big Bash and uh, the saturation, if you like, of the cricketing schedule. There wasn't much of a crowd in at the Gabba last night. You compare that to what we saw from the... Uh, attendance at the Brisbane Heat only a few nights before. It seems that people are, are really only going to get interested in it when the World Cup's in town. Well, here's one for you. I'm going to accuse the selectors of picking a team to suit the venue um, with Chris Lynn playing. Now, listen, you could argue that he's deserved his spot, but had that game not been in Brisbane, would he have played is the question that I ask. Um, he's got to get his opportunity at some stage. Um, his, his 2020 form has been good. He's a great hitter of the ball. But I just feel that if that game hadn't been anywhere but Brisbane, he wouldn't have played. So I'm accusing the, the selectors a little bit of um, let's get the hometown boy in mm-hmm. and, and let's see if we can bring more of a crowd in. But um, certainly the, the crowds are disappointing um, when we see the biz, Big Bash game. But you can't, you can't have both. Um, you know, since the Big Bash has come on, Yes, there's been plenty of people going to the game, and since it's been on Channel 10 free to air, a lot of people watching it. So it's, it's, it's as big as Texas. But ultimately, whether you win or lose, you know, I mean, to me, I'm, I'm a Renegades fan, and it's not as though I'd, I'd go home and cry after the, the Renegades lose, but I, I like to see the Australians win, and, and mm-hmm. I can't fathom that more people don't go and watch these players because there's the argument that they should be playing Big Bash at this time so people can go and see them. Well, why not go and see them when they play for Australia? They're the best players in Australia. You've got Smith, you've got Warner, you've got Maxwell, you've got Wade, you've got Faulkner, Cummings. You've got all these great players. And people say, well, we want to see them playing for the 2020. Well, get off your backsides and go and support the Australian team and watch the best players in Australia represent our country. Now, tomorrow at the MCG Mm -hmm. is going to be huge. They will be massive. Now, I reckon... um, a combination of, of the time of the year, the big bash on, all that sort of thing. Uh, people have their priorities and they can't go to both. They're choosing to go to the big... And you can understand that, but ultimately, um, Cricket Australia can't sell off TV rights for millions of dollars, um, want people to watch it on TV and also expect it to go and watch them at the game. It's like the AFL. Mate, the, the AFL and Cricket Australia, to me, I reckon wouldn't be concerned too much if no one turned up to the game because they've all made, already made their money off the TV rights. Uh, that's spot on. And you talk about the decisions selectors make. Does it, uh, I suppose, jeopardise the campaigns or um, the integrity of the competition? I mean, we've, we've seen Stephen O'Keefe pulled out of the Big Bash to play grade cricket uh, in the hope he's going to be selected for the India Tour. He's taken nine for 54 at grade level for Manly. Uh, you look at uh, the effect... The well, the question I throw at you there... Where, there's, where is there going to be more int- intensity? Where is it going to make Steve O'Keefe um, really think about his game and get up for the contest? It's a no-brainer. I, I reckon it's 2020 cricket. Yep. So to pull him out of 2020 cricket, I couldn't understand that for the life of me. Now, obviously, they've got their reasons, and, and I wouldn't mind having a talk to someone about those reasons, but to me, it's bordering on ridiculous. Um, we're talking about, uh, if you're talking about um, um, workload, well, he's going, to do, he's going to bowl more overs 
playing for his club side than he is going to play 2020. He's going to get put under more pressure playing 2020 than he is at, at club cricket. So I'm, I'm a firm believer that a player should play at the highest uh, level that he possibly can. And for him playing club cricket to get himself ready for, for international test matches in India is borderline ridiculous. Well, speaking of another man who plays for Manly, his name is Mickey Edwards. Oh, he caused a stir last week he when he entered the field of play. He was a substitute fieldsman. He gained a cult following. We're going to hear from him next, right here on Stumps all around Australia. Listening to Stumps. Great to have your company on Stumps this Saturday evening as we're counting down the minutes till the big Sydney Derby clash between the Sixers and the Thunder. But Merv, be a hell of a clash that. Mate, lot to look forward to. The Thunder yep. have been in a rich vein of form. The Sixers just chugging along nicely. Speaking of men chugging along nicely, and you're a cult figure back in the day. Nathan Lyon has rarely been overshadowed now, this summer. Hang on, chugging along nicely gives the indication that you're just moving a little bit forward. What about just exploding onto the spotlight? Well, he burst on. Onto the scene, he was exploded onto the spotlight, trending on Twitter, <laughs> and he even had David Warner booed as he entered the field once again. <laughs> uh, subfielder extraordinaire Mickey Edwards has been good enough to join us on Stumps. Mickey, a warm welcome to you, and thanks for your time. G'day, yeah, pleasure to talk to you guys. Uh, Mickey, good on Merv Hughes here. Listen, it must have been exciting um, to to get the call up uh, to be sitting in the Australian rooms, but how was it feeling that you had to go out in the ground and, and actually field for the Australian team? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't really expect to have to do that. I was hoping to sort of outsource all those duties to the, the other 12th man that was there. Um, but yeah, then I, I sort of decided that if I don't do it, I'd regret it. So um, yeah, obviously glad I went out in the end. Yeah, well, with a couple of injuries, uh, obviously Jackson Bird was on the ground for the injured. Who did get injured? Well, Renshaw, Renshaw departed yes, and Wade yeah. was a bit so crook in the guts as well. Wade was so a little bit short. Uh, Davey Warner came off the ground. You, you got on the ground and you stole all the fans. You actually stole <laughs> them from Nathan Lyon. How does that feel? Um, yeah. I don't know about style. I don't think I'm quite happy for him to have them all back. He's a he's a true cult hero in my eyes, as well as you, Merv. Actually, <laughs> oh God, I love him, Mickey. Um, <laughs> now we're like I, I would being from Sydney and and your grade club playing being Manly Cricket Club um, with the the long blonde locks. I'm going to throw it out there. I'm, I'm going to hit you up. I'm maybe a hasty generalisation, but are you a surfer? <laughs> It's a, it's a good uh, it's a good guess. I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So where where did the Australian boys pick you up? Did they just sort of see you down the beach playing a little bit of beach cricket while you're waxing your board up one day, or do do you still are you still heavily involved in the game? Because my understanding is that um, you were a fast bowler. Um, you've had yep. problems with stress fractures, and you, you're just getting back into it now. Yeah, um, well, that actually happened because Steve Smith saw me down the beach doing some uh, classic catches, and he thought I've got to have him. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, no, I do actually play cricket. So I contracted with the Blues uh, and uh, with the Sixers as well. So yeah, I just had a bit of a bad little run with injuries in the last couple of years with uh, three stress fractures in a row. Uh, so I've just come back from the third one now. I've had about three or four bowls in the last couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. I'm to I'm to come back for the second half or the end of the uh, the grade season. I'm actually playing fifth grade this weekend as a batsman, so it's a bit of a, a fall from grace. <laughs> and how, how do you hit them? Um, recently, not well, due to the fact that I haven't actually hit a cricket uh, ball in about four months. <laughs> and, and probably being in the fifth grade would probably give that away too, a little bit, because if you hit them all <laughs> yeah. right, you might be up the order. Um, when, yeah. when you're up and about, um, obviously uh, when you're playing junior cricket and that fast bowling, what, what sort of pace did you get up to um, as you were sort of 18, 19? Because that's... I reckon that's a real show for for a guy if he's bowling good pace. Then he, he's got um, he's got years ahead of him. So what sort of pace did you get up to? Uh, I think nineteen. That's a good question. I, I sort of I was a late bloomer with cricket. Um, yeah. I only started bowling quite fast in the last couple of years. I guess eighteen, nineteen was about I don't know mid mid one thirties. But now I think. Um, uh, sort of 140 plus, hopefully. Oh. Although it's been a while, obviously. Well, he's 198 centimetres, move, So he hits the deck hard, be getting plenty yeah. of bounce as well. So I reckon he'd be fairly difficult to play. Well, he's got a Blues contract. He's got his injuries. My understanding, too, is um, you're with the Sixers. Sixers Academy program, squad, is that economy? correct? Oh, well, yeah, it was with the Sixers. Uh, so it was actually meant to play their trial games a few months ago. But the day before... 
uh, they sort of kicked off, I got the uh, the stress fracture. So that was that was a bit unlucky, uh, bad timing. A very bad timing. Now for you, yeah. you, you said it's uh, the third year in a row that you've you've had the stress fractures, and probably from my understanding of the sport is that. It's a very unnatural um, action, and because you didn't do it as a junior, it's all new to you. It's probably putting um, a little bit of stress on places of the body that you wouldn't normally have it, and um, obviously yeah. that's why you're having those problems. Um, so going forward, um, how are you feeling? Well, I suppose the the question before going forward, how are you feeling about that? Are you getting frustrated with this, or is it just a uh, okay, Sarah, Sarah, what what is what is is, and I've got to get over it, or is it a little bit more frustrating? for you than that um yeah it's, it's been a pretty frustrating um couple of years but i think each time i've sort of learned what my body can and can't cope with so I've, I've learned each time that um you know this is this is the line that i can reach and don't try and force it past there when in in the early stages and whatnot um so yeah just sort of i'm still you know i'm only 22 so i'm just i'm, I'm learning about my body still and getting used to what it feels like yeah, well, mate, 22 years old, you got height on your side, you've got pace, uh, be patient, listen to the guys around you, and, and quite often I reckon that at your age you want to push things to the hilt, but um, for the, the future you've still got a long time left in the game. Uh, my advice to you would be uh, to, to listen to your physios and, and listen to your strength and conditioning blokes, and it's more about the little bit you can do, not what you can't do. So, mate, good luck going forward, and, and thanks for joining us on the show. Yeah, cheers. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Mickey. Mickey Edwards joining us on Stumps. One of the stories of the Australian summer. I know they've uh, has been a bit of a roller coaster, Merv, in terms of form. The Aussies turned around their fortunes, but this uh, young man who just joined us had commentators asking, "Who's out on the field for Australia?" Well, and didn't he soak it up and mate, he, he made the most of the opportunity? It was Mickey Edwards, and I tell you, he's more popular than. Nice, Gary. <laughs> Merv, just a, a brief one. Yes. I had Doug Ackley in the studio. You were actually away with uh, Rodney Hogg. Yes. He wrote a book on the yes. front, foot, front foot no rule, ball yes. rule. And how taxing do you think it is on growing bodies? And while in uh, Mickey's case, he's 22, he, yep. he hadn't bowled much. And as you rightly pointed out, it probably put unnecessary stress on his back. How taxing is it on young cricketers, young pace bowlers coming through the system? How tall did he say he was? 198 centimetres. So 6'5", 6'6". About that, in yeah. the old. Uh, the, the big thing about that is because he's grown so quickly and he's, he's so tall, his muscles haven't developed. So basically the muscle structure around your core um, that, that hold um, your abs in and, and all that um, haven't really strengthened. So all the pressure is solely on his, on his back. And um, there's, there's a lot of, of stress fractures going around. I know Doug's book was um, a, a lot of information about how the, the front foot no ball rule changed bowling mm-hmm. and, and therefore introduced these injuries. Um, I, I agree with that to a certain extent, but it's also just the amount of cricket that we play now. And yep. you know, back in the, in the you know, 40s and 50s, um, before the, the no ball rule was changed, it was a, the back foot no ball. So your back foot could land before, behind the back line and you could slide down the wicket. If you could slide down the wicket 10 yards you could bowl off virtually a third of a pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what, what happens there is they've, they've changed the rule and he's saying that it's got a lot to do with the bowling. But what I, what I say, it's a combination of a lot of things. We, we have indoor nets now where blokes in the 50s, 60s, 70s, early 70s really didn't have those um, indoor facilities and, and they didn't train for as long and they didn't play. As, as much. So, yeah, there's contributing factors, but a very interesting read. And the thing about Doug Ackley, he is a thought provoker. And, and I, I love journalists and I, I love reading books that that make you think about what they're saying. And, and what he's saying has got merit to it without doubt. Well said, Merv. Well, great to catch up with you as it always is here on Stumps. More Stumps on the way next, all around Australia. Welcome to Stumps.
Good to be back for another week of Stumps. Tristan Fernanda in the chair. Swerve and Mervyn Hughes yes. is with me for the ride and a big Plenty night of happening. cricket to look forward to. Plenty we'll celebrate happening. the Aussie success last night. We'll turn our eyes abroad. A couple of test matches going on and, well, some big scores are being made uh, in that series between South Africa and Sri Lanka. And, also and some bigger scores are the <laughs> Deshians and, and New Zealand, my friend. Quite remarkable, Merv. Oh, I say yeah. welcome to you once again. Um, well, welcome, welcome to you. It's good to have a <laughs> new year. There's plenty of cricket. Listen, Bangladesh against New Zealand. I, I saw the scores and actually thought this must have been in, in Bangladesh. Who would have thought we'd be starting with Bangladesh but, against well, New Zealand? But Bangladesh in New Zealand at Wellington, which is traditionally a slow, low wicket, which would suit the, the, the Deshians, if we can call them that. Um, Bangladesh, eight for 595. Shakib, 217. And Mush Victor. Mush, Mushy Victor? Mush Vicor, Rahim, Mush I believe, 159. Rahim, 159. I, how do I go on the tennis with all those names? Mate, like, I can't yeah, say I think this. you'd just be saying the Croat, um, the big bloke yeah. from Croatia. And, um, and New Zealand, uh, three for, for 292, uh, Latham 119, and um, that's the end of the third day. And at the end of the second day, South Africa, after making 426, uh, Amla and Dumni, hundreds each, um, Sri Lanka in a bit of bother with four for 80, but they always seem to find a way, Sri Lanka, but I'm tipping that it's doing a little bit. Yeah, they're struggling a little bit. They struggled in their most recent encounter and yeah, uh, have picked green, up where they lick. green and seamy, and you'd, you'd say that um, Fernandes going all right there. The, yeah, they've got a good bowling side, and they do juice their wickets up a tad. And that's why I'm surprised Bangladesh made some runs. I would have thought the New Zealand... Um, like when they played Pakistan, mm-hmm. they juice the wicket up, get a little bit harder and let it seam around and bounce more. But uh, Wellington, um, we took a stethoscope out there one time and listened to the pitch. No heartbeat at all. Dead as a doornail. <laughs> uh, to matters closer to home, Australia <laughs> taking on Pakistan, the first yes. of the one days. Well, the Aussies struggled early. They were in a world of strife. Five for oh. 78 at one stage and it was the... Feats of Maxwell and Matthew, Matthew Wade, Wade, who helped yeah. them turn the corner. Congratulations to Matthew Wade. We'll hear from him in a moment. Made in one day international century, and it proved to be decisive, Merv. Um, difference in the game, uh, that partnership between uh, Maxwell and Wade, as you said. Um, it's good to see they're getting on again. Uh, a lot of love in that partnership. Yes. Um, but uh, move on from that um, to, to get to 268, and with the quality of the bowling of the Australian attack, um, Pakistan were always going to be in trouble, and especially when they, uh, Azir, their captain, uh, gets out Azir Ali. Good to see Faulkner bowling really well, four for yeah. 32 from seven overs, and uh, Cummins was also very impressive, 8.4 overs, three for 33. And it was a, they're, they're saying um, it was a different sort of a wicket up there. It was a, a dryish wicket. And that, that would explain why Faulkner and why uh, Cummings, I saw a fair bit of their bowling. To be honest, I didn't see Mitch Stark bowling. He must have bowled a right eight overs, two for 34. But Cummings and Faulkner, four wickets and three wickets, um, mid-30s off, off about uh, eight, eight and a half overs each, um, bowling a lot of slower balls. So when the wicket's a little bit dry, uh, pace off is the key and... Um, certainly they were doing that and, and reaped the reward for that. It's been a long time between drinks for Matthew Wade with the bat. He's been uh, really struggling both in the test arena and you look further back to that series against New Zealand in the one-day arena. He was back to form with a vengeance. He put it down to hard work in the nets. Happy to contribute with some runs and more importantly to get a, a win, obviously to go one nil ups. Very important in a five-match series, so yeah, nice to, to be able to contribute and it's uh, funny how cricket works, come off the last ball, so I don't know how that uh, that all lines up, but it, it was good fun. And if you, you obviously haven't got too many runs on the board recently, but if you felt like you'd been in decent nick, or is it sort of a breakthrough for you to spend some time in No, I felt like I've been hitting the ball really well for a period of time now. Um, I certainly haven't been going out there and just nicking off. I've been getting myself out more than more times than not, so I've been, I felt like I've been hitting the ball. I've been putting plenty of work in it and... and uh, Working on a few things, and it, uh, you know, it's time in the middle. Yeah, it's, it's getting yourself in and giving yourself a chance. So I managed to do that today, which was nice. Uh, Mate, how's that big Billy Stanley out there when you're trying to survive at the end? Yeah, he was all right, big He was struggling a bit, wasn't he? I think he, uh, I think he got a bit crooked there. So um, yeah, he didn't look great when he when he came out. I know how he feels. Obviously, missed the whole day of a test match uh, recently, so it's uh, it's not a good feeling. But he, he'll be all right. He'll bounce back.
nice to do it with, uh, with Maxi as well, maybe in light of what's happened over the last you know, few weeks. Yeah, it's always, oh, like, batting with Maxi is always good. You don't have to do too much. You can just kind of chip it in the gap and get down the other end and watch the show go. So um, that's, that's, that was the plan when I was out there with him. We are trying to build a partnership and take it as deep as we could. But um, whenever you bat with Max, it's, uh, the scoreboard's always ticking, so it makes it a lot easier on me. I can just get down the other end. So he batted really well tonight. Tesla's name on Monday is yep. a nice sort of reminder for you going into that. Is there any nerves from your point of view about that squad? No, I'm, not, I'm not nervous about selection. I'd be, I'd be nervous if we lost four test matches in a row, but we're, we're winning games and the team's going really well. The younger guys are playing well and um, I feel like, yeah, we're in a really good spot. So, I, you know, selection, selection, the team will, will get picked and hopefully I'm in it, but um, I don't feel nervous when the team's winning the way it is. Um, Maxi also in the mix of that test team, uh, test squad and that, would that uh, you think he'd be a good addition to the guard of it? Oh yeah, absolutely. He plays spin really well and he bowls right arm off spin, so um, he'll definitely be in the mix, uh, I would have thought. What was um, Mitch Marsh's reaction with that catch in the outfield when he came in? <laughs> I don't know, look from my, I thought he was getting it easy and then it looked like he was leading, it looked like he was Tony Lockett leading out a full forward to take a... <laughs> Take a mark. He got. He ran so fast that he got there too quick, I think, and then stuck the big hand out and it went back in. So no, he, he was pretty happy. He was happy. That's it. Oh, Travis. Sorry. Um, did you just quickly want to talk about the Tess squad coming up? Um, the young bowler. You just swept some. There's been a lot of talk about him possibly being the squad. Have you seen much of him? Yeah, I've seen a little bit of him. Um, he played Australia race, so Petey Hanscom's told me a little bit about how he bowls. He looks like a really good leg spin bowler, so. I would think that he'll he'll be in the mix. Him and Zamps will probably be fighting it out for a position. I would have thought. Just with the team from tonight, has been on debut. Really, hoping that the same side for Sunday. There. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on. I don't know if Hazelwood's coming back or what the go is there with the squad. But um, Linny looked like he's used to hitting the ball really well. Obviously, so um, I'm not sure what the selectors will do with the team, but. Um, that, that'll be fine. Linny played well, I thought. Um, he could have easily got in and got a big score tonight. And he looks like he's crunching it. Uh, Matthew, congrats uh, first ODI 100. Uh, you faced during this inning Mohamed Afiz, uh, Imad Asim and Mohamed Nawaz. Uh, what about uh, Imad Asim? About the seam bowling? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they got. Uh, they bowl well. Like They had us in a lot of trouble. If they get the right conditions and the ball's swinging and, and the wicket's got a little bit in it, you saw how well they bowled. Um, once the wickets get flatter, obviously it's a lot nicer to face. But um, Pakistan have got a, a really good bowling attack in one-day cricket, in Test cricket. Um, they've challenged us the whole summer, although the results probably haven't gone their way. It's still been it's still been hard work to get out there and, and play against them. Matthew Wade speaking after Australia's victory. Congratulations once again to him. It was unconvincing the way he brought up his century, but uh, he all, almost speaks as well as he bats, doesn't he? Well, uh, mate, under, under pressure, and a lot of people. Sorry to jump in on you, Tris, but a lot of people are saying, and you said in the introduction of the um, that sound there from Channel Nine that he, he'd been struggling a bit. But the other thing about against New Zealand. When he comes into bat, he's only got four or five or six overs to go, so he doesn't get that time in the middle. Now, for him to go out with 30 overs, he's got time to make runs. Yeah. And the the thing that I really enjoyed about both Wade and Maxwell was that they actually thought about it and built an innings. Now, if we had lost another wicket and we're, we're six for 90, you're in a world of hurt. But those two got together, um, they batted, they got Australia out of trouble, and then they started to press on to get some some good scores. But of Matthew Wade, I don't think that his run of outs has been too much of a problem because he goes in and he, he normally, like I said, he's only normally got eight overs to go, and Australia have got a great score, so he's expected to get keep going, mm. and he, he tries to go too early. So, mate, it, it, that innings, yes, is as good an innings um, in a in a game I've seen by a traditional number seven wicket keeper. Well, it was great to see the maturity on display from both Maxwell and Wade. They've been yes. criticised in the past for yeah. perhaps throwing away their wicket or being yeah. a little bit undisciplined, <clears throat> uh, but they did get the job done. Speaking of Maxwell, I've uh, heard in a few quarters uh, people scratching their heads as to why Travis head bowled in favour of Maxwell, given we're talking about Maxwell potentially being included in this India uh, squad to be announced tomorrow. Is there anything sinister there or to be read between the lines? No, I reckon, and without 
Without having seen it, I must admit I was sitting home watching Criminal Minds, so uh, I, I didn't see um, Head. Bo- but I would suggest that he would Head would have been bowling to the right-handers. Had there been left-handers in, Maxwell would have bowled because they like the ball coming into the pad spinning away, so they can't hit your leg side. And if we have a look at it, there's normally a, a short boundary at the Gabba, so it would have been um, into... The, the, the short boundary uh, to make it hard for, for those. So that was the only thing that I could say. I, mate, the thing about it this year is um, with Maxi, he seems to be embroiled in these um, controversies or conspiracy theories where first game for Victoria, he didn't play. And it was as simple as um, it was either him or, or um, Christian. And uh, they went with Dan Christian because they needed the medium pace. And then when he didn't play the one-dayers um, against New Zealand, it was seen that he was being punished for what he said. Well, if he was being punished for what he said about Matthew Wade earlier in the year, he wouldn't have got picked in the 11. Yep. So, mate, let's just move on. And it's horses for courses. And what the Australian team do very well, as do the state teams, as do the Big Bash teams, is that they plan for their opposition. So don't read too much into to Maxwell not bowling. If there had been left-handers batting, I reckon Maxwell would have been the bloke to bowl. Well, speaking of one man who sparked a controversy or two, Brett Jeeves, now writing on foxsports.com.au, represented Australia in the one-day international arena, uh, raised the ire of Darren Lehman when he questioned <laughs> the national coach in uh, giving a backhanded clip to Matt Renshaw about the prospects of being included in the India squad yeah. or perhaps pouring a little bit of cold water on the prospects despite Renshaw's recent run. We're going to hear from Brett Jeeves next here on Stumps. listening to Stumps. Yeah, good to have you with us. Tristan Fernanda with Merv Hughes. And as we said prior to the break, Merv, Brett Jeeves caused a bit of a stir in this uh, next catch-up. He... Now, I'm, I'm trying to figure out whether he's fair dinkum or he's just taking a piss. <laughs> well, it's hard to work out at the no. best of times. In this chat, he caught up with Andy Marr and Adam Cooney on their Sports Day show, and they started by asking him, did he expect all the controversy that arose from such an innocent article? I've always had a well, and still do uh, have enormous respect for Darren Lehman. I liked him as a player. In many regards, we were pretty well aligned. Sloppy work ethic, good on the tooth, and um, you know probably didn't make the most of our talents. But um, yeah, I um, I guess Buff didn't quite like a, an article I wrote uh, earlier in the week um, about uh, the message he was sending Matt Renshaw, you know, the lack of guarantee for the first test in India, which. I found to be really surprising. The young man's 20. Uh, he performed. He's performed perfectly, um, you know, and, and he's been the answer in, in many, in many regards, you know, for, for so long after that Hobart test where we were uh, completely awful. Um, we whinged and moaned that we didn't have an opening batter with grind and toughness, and and we found that in Renshaw. And um, from, from what I've seen, all, all we've done is whinge about how slow he bats and. And now we're not going to guarantee him a spot in India. I, I find it to be staggering. So I kind of aired my thoughts there. And, and Buff, as he has a habit of doing in, in, a, in his true larrikin manner, just sort of made mention that uh, he didn't listen to me because I wasn't a very good cricketer. And I think in, you know, his comment was probably most in jest. And, and that's fine. But um, it probably does highlight, you know, I think, some of the, some of the problems that we, you know, that we do face within cricketer um, throughout the nation. What is this code that you talked about in your column, this sort of established hierarchy that you do a really good job of, you know, of, of, of telling us about and colouring in and identifying in your column? From your perspective, how has that kind of manifested itself in this, in this example? Oh, look, I mean, it's no different to, to the workplace. You know, I can't imagine Coons walks in and, uh, and just starts giving you jip about um, what level of broadcast you are. Um, oh, he does, you know, does he actually. Yeah. Oh, no, he does. Oh, right. oh, yeah. <laughs> well, he's, uh, he's completely breaking the code, um, yeah. <laughs> which is fine. But, uh, you know, I guess in the workplace, there's a HR team to sort him out. And after three warnings, he was shipped out and probably end up on SEN. Um, you know, good at, no, sorry about that. Couldn't help us all. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, look, I mean, you know, it is, it is very much, you know, I, I guess, you know, that, that old school of, you know, if you've been involved in a great, in a, in a great cricket team or club, the, the hierarchy of the third graders and the first graders, you know, the first graders get first use of the turf nets. Uh, there's an era of, um, you know, left to right swagger in them that, 
you know, they're the first team and the third team will, will wait until, you know, those boys are done. And, and there's a, a column that, that's, uh, that's on Fox Sports, the great cricketer it's called, and yeah. um, anyone that's involved in cricket throughout the nation should, should certainly pick up on their stuff because it's, it's lighthearted, it's humorous, and it's a great reflection of the types of behaviours and activities that, that you do see in cricket, um, you know, and that does relate to, to the Australian team. And um, I think, you know, whilst, you know, I said Buff's comments were in jest, he, he's never... He's never truly rated me as a player. I remember I got him out in a in a one day at um, Adelaide. He was the last man dismissed. So you know the Tassie boys are walking off, all eleven of us, and there's Buff and Mara and Tatey, and he sprayed me the whole half. You're the biggest pie chucker, waste of space I've ever faced. You're a joke, and I was only a young bloke, twenty four or twenty five at the time. I didn't quite have enough experience or pig in me, I guess, at that stage to go back at him. Um, so I just wore it. Um, and he's, he's always sort of gone at me verbally and whenever we played against each other. And, and that's good. That, that, that's what the game's about. I mean, Coons, you can obviously relate. Um, you know, that, a lot of that is, is why we play the game. I love the verbal. Um, but, you know, I, I think in this instance, it, it sort of highlighted a, you know, a bit of an issue that, that, that I've certainly seen in, in cricket and, you know, and how sometimes, you know, guys like Trent Woodhill, who is, who is obviously a great, uh, great cricketing brain, he, he quite often gets, sort of fobbed off with his views because he doesn't have that high-level experience um, of, a, of a Ponting or a Lehman or, or one of these types. That's a really interesting observation you make in your column, actually. Brett, I want to go back to the original article, which I suppose uh, shine the light on uh, this so-called uh, cultural, I suppose, the, the established hierarchy that you said. Um, when Michael Clark and Lara Fresh Edger on your first uh, <laughs> tour in India, I just wanted to know how... Did that actually affect your confidence uh, going forward in terms of, uh, I suppose, your position in that side? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's a good question. Um, to be really honest, it, it kind of didn't because it had, you know, stuff like that had been happening in, in cricket for me for, you know, the eight years I'd been involved in the game at a state level. You know, a lot of what's, you know, the whilst it's tongue-in-cheek and left of centre, the, the code of, you know, being the, the guy that's, um, on the fringe of first-class selection and the invitations to lunch and coffee and the, and the rest of it, um, a lot of that stuff is very real. Um, so, so those those sorts of experiences have been completely fobbed off. We're not we're not uncommon. Um, so for me, it was just a matter of you know finding people that um, that I knew respected me for who I was and, and that I didn't have to be fake and um, you know sort of pretend to be someone that I wasn't. And, and you know I just sort of found myself. Um, you know, being pulled to those people more so than you know trying to make my way into into relationships with people that you know didn't necessarily want to go down that path with me. So, look, I mean, it didn't really impact me, but um, it, it probably wasn't until I got a job and, and something that you know you can now relate to, Coons. But you know, being in the real world and um, you know having to report to people and bosses, etc., that um, that that sort of stuff's not okay. You know, that that's that's not acceptable and and shouldn't happen without. You know, some some sort of process being in place and inductions and 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 those things are in place in the corporate world for a reason, um, because we want to support people to do well. And and experiences, you know, the South African one, I, I didn't necessarily see that. So it's only really on reflection that you know I look back and think, well, you know, maybe if that was done better, uh, my experience would have would have been a better one. That's not to say I would have been a better cricketer, um, because you know, the nature of cricket is so individual, and I don't think that sort of stuff actually impacts the way you go about the game. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting, um, you know, it, it is interesting going from, you know, professional athlete, I guess, into the real world. And, um, you know, what I've learned the last five years is, is enormous. And, you know, if I, if I had all this information now while I was playing, I think that, you know, potentially I'd still be playing and I wouldn't be 15 kilos overweight and <laughs> searching, uh, searching for my, my morning cake. No, oh, you're yeah. doing some good work now. There's this, that theme that you've discussed a bit with Coons there, Brett, we're talking to Brett Jeeves, has kind of run through both of the columns that uh, of yours that have attracted most kind of notoriety in the last kind of three or four months, which is really interesting. And I reckon it's great. I think it's a really important voice to hear. We had a guy like... Uh, Nathan Grimer on the show last night and you know people who have made it have got to these levels without ever kind of making it in inverted commas Um, you know you've got there you know what it's like to be part of it but you haven't gone into that sort of elite sort of superstar and category these are really important voices for the rest of us to be having access to and you give us a real 
insight into some of the challenges that um, exist. And I, I reckon, keep going. I, I, we hear enough. Uh, we do. We hear enough from the Uber superstars. Um, you blokes <laughs> who know what it's like to get in there, but not necessarily know what it's like to be making millions of dollars out of it and be given the six-star treatment. I think it's really invaluable. Hey, how much, before we let you go, how much did you enjoy writing the last six paragraphs of your column? <laughs> uh, look, it took me, um, I'll be really honest, it took me eight hours to write that um, last night. I didn't get to bed till about 4am. Um, I must have reread it 694 times. <laughs> like, a, And it wasn't, I, I went on a hunt for some footage, um, and don't tell anyone this, I don't think this is going to um, you know, and hopefully not an enormous amount of people. I think oh, you guys are pretty big hundreds in Victoria, of thousands. You better be millions, yeah, possibly millions. I'm letting the cat out of the bag, but um, I did go searching for some footage of me dismissing Lehman, but it turns out they're all caught at cover off rank long hop. So, um, you know, sometimes you've got to bend the stats to, to make them work in your favour, which I've certainly done. That was Brett Cheeves catching up with Andy Marr and Adam Cooney on Sports Day. And Sports Day will kick off in Adelaide on 5AA on the 23rd of January. Kane Corns with Ben Hart, a new look show to follow Rowie and Bix from 6pm. Sounds like a bit of a different character, Merv. I reckon you've had a bit to do with him. You're a selector on one of the tours of South Africa, is that right? I, I was a selector on the tour of South Africa where he got ditched at the airport and all that that he, he wrote about. So, yeah, listen, it was an interesting one, but um, I suppose he's in the media now. He's, he's giving his view. The cricketer's um, code, Merv, d- does it exist? It's a changing place. I mean, when I first started, hierarchy and food chain was everything. I remember my first game, and I think I've said it on this show a couple of years ago, my first game in Adelaide, that excited, got my gear off the bus, straight upstairs into the room, got into the room, opened bag up, getting some gear out, and John Scholes, um, yeah. God rest his soul, and you know, lovely bloke, but he just walked in, he was captain of Victoria, he said, what are you doing? I said, oh, you know, just, he said, mate, there's blokes that have played here for 10 years, grab your bag, wait outside. <laughs> and I, I, mate, I'd known him because he used to call on our, our sports store down in Werribee that I worked in. And I, yeah, he said, get your bag. Get, so I just packed my bag up, stood outside and come back in and there was a spot in the corner under the window, no hooks, no nothing. I put my bag there and that's where I sat for 15 years. So it's where, where, you, where you start, that's where you virtually finish off. And um, as, as a player moves out, you can move up if you want. But I just got comfortable there, so just stayed in the probably worst spot in the, the South Australian visitors' change room. As we work to the top of the hour, the Sydney Sixers 11. Enriquez, Abbott, Bird, Boater, Dwarshus, Haddon, Hughes, Lum, Lyon, Maddinson and Munro. Noah Keefe. And Noah Keefe. He took nine for 54 Noah in grade Keefe. cricket. I don't know why he was playing there. Noah Keefe. Watson, Ahmed, Brathwaite, Gibson, Green, Lenton, Mackay, Nair, Patterson, Aurora and Vince. The he, squad for the Sydney that, Thunder. That, what was that eighth name there? <laughs> I don't know, Aurora, Patterson, Mackay. I don't, keep going, I, I keep going. I can't recall. Keep going. Nair, Nair. He'd pull your hair out, wouldn't he? It stumps right around <laughs> Australia. <laughs> Welcome to Stumps. Yeah, great to have your company on Stumps. Good evening to those of you tuning in for the very first time. Tristan Fernanda here with Merv Hughes, Mickey Edwards, the cult figure, subfielder. He's going to join us in the not-too-distant future. We've got a big doubleheader of Big Bash action to oh, look forward to. Huge. A smorgasbord of cricket worldwide. We've touched plethora. on the test matches over in uh, New Zealand, South plethora. Africa. A plethora. Very nice uh, word, Merv. <laughs> but uh, many people lauding the efforts of the Hobart Hurricanes, and rightly so. It was one of the best performances in team sport you'll see. Certainly one of the most entertaining Big Bash spectacles one will witness uh, for a long, long time, and well, they got the job done thanks well, to the heroics of Ben McDermott. Well, and, and I suppose George Bailey throw that in there, and the combination of of the fielding, the bowling, and um, a, a flat track. But the Renegades had the highest score in Big Bash cricket; it was a record, and they held it for almost two hours. 
<laughs> well, it, they probably got a bit complacent because the bowling hasn't been their strong suit. Going to talk to you more about yes. the Renegades later because we're going to focus on the Hobart Hurricanes. Hurricanes. They look down and out, but they've turned the corner seemingly. Their campaign is alive, and the man who's at the helm nurturing the best young talent from uh, Hobart and the Hurricanes is Damien Wright, who's been good enough to join us. Damien, a warm welcome, and congratulations on just a stunning victory. Oh, jeez, guys, yeah, no, it was uh, unbelievable, wasn't it? Um, I guess at halfway, we were all a little bit shell-shocked um, to, to know that the uh, we had a huge mountain to climb uh, in the second half of the bat, but then to be right in it, right up there to the last over um, and then get over the line, uh, Stewie Broad getting the leading edge. Uh, it was awesome. Um, yeah, just huge emotions, mate, and, uh, yeah, it was a wonderful night for us. Yeah, well, you had to win that one to keep you in the contest. you got a game to go. You play the, the Scorchers over in Perth. Um, that in itself is going to be a t- tough assignment as well. Yeah, g'day Merv, how, how are, are you mate? mate all right? <laughs> I'm good buddy. Uh, yeah, look we have, we've got a, um, a really big game coming up for us. We've got to wait about six days, uh, six or seven days before we uh, we get into it. So there's a lot that will happen beforehand. Um, so we'll know the outcome of uh, of where we uh, of what we need to do for that last game. Obviously we've got to win it, but... Um, we need a few results to go our way, of course, in the next couple of days. But yeah, they're a great side. Um, but it's yeah, it's down here at Blunston Arena, so we're lucky that it's at home, and we can um, you know uh, again put our uh, best team on the park and see how we go, mate. Well, that's all you got to do now. At the halfway break, as you said, you get into the rooms as coach. Is it hard to keep? The sanity there is it is it hard to keep the players up because as you say people will be a little bit flat but ultimately if a side gets that many runs you've got to be of the view and you've got some senior players in there with Payne and, and George Bailey and those blokes that if they've got two twenty two it's a pretty decent wicket. Yeah, look, yeah, spot on, Merv. I think at, at half time you can see um, you know the reaction of the guys as they come off. They're all you know really really shocked. I guess at at, at what has just happened, but. I think in saying that, um, you know, it was funny. We went straight into the rooms and, you know, Helmo and I got around most of the guys straight away to say, look, you know, the, um, if they can do it, so can we sort of thing. And, and to go out and have a bit of fun, really, just take the shackles off, um, have a bit of fun here and really take them on. Um, we had, you know, everything to gain out of that game. Um, and, you know, and, and again, you know, to hear George Bailey just said, oh, well, lads, we haven't got time to have a look at any. We'll just have to get on with it. So, you know, that was the spirit in the room. Um, you know, and, and I, I guess, you know, it showed when, when Timmy Payne went out of skipper, he had a go first ball and he, you know, unfortunately hit it down to uh, deep in wicked stroke. But, you know, that was the intent shown, even from our leader, that we were going to go out with a bang. And uh, Benny McDermott just, uh, you know, everything he hit did go bang. So, I mean, it was just an, an awesome, awesome game and a really, really great effort from the boys. Well, we talk about McDermott, what a great innings that was. But um, Short, he he's come from nowhere, hasn't he? You, you lost uh, Dunk uh, over the off-season and you would have thought, gee, how are we going to replace him? But um, Short's come in and he's he's played a couple of good innings and, and got off to a bit of a flyer um, against the Renegades also. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did, maybe. He's, a, um, he's an exciting... Uh, young talent that's from WA who's um, who's played a couple of games for, for Western Australia. He played a couple of games in the Matador Cup. Uh, he played a Shield game against Tassie when we were over there at the Wacker before we broke for the Big Bash. And, you know, look, he um, he can give it a serious hit, mate. And he's done really well for us, um, you know, uh, in, our, in our very first game of the year against the Six. He came out and just uh, and whacked them everywhere. Uh, and then it had a good game down here. Uh, against the strikers, so when he did well uh, up front, he and Timmy Payne, we, we generally won the games. Um, so you know, last night it was great to see him sort of get a couple out of the screws for us. But um, you know, uh, you know, to see Ben McDermott do what he did after both Tim and uh, Darcy got out, he and George Bailey steadied the ship and. Uh, Look, that partnership was unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah, it certainly was. As we catch up with Hobart Hurricanes coach Damien Wright, he's got a rare moment to put his feet up and enjoy a bit of cricket uh, before their next game against the Scorchers. Tell us about the journey of Ben McDermott because he is the son of Craig, uh, brother to Alistair, but he's forging his own career and a strong one down south in Tassie. Yeah, he has. Look, he's a great young kid. Um, He moved down here two years ago. Uh, down to Tassie, we got him down as a rookie, actually, and uh, you know Dan Mars was really, really excited about him and saw him a little bit up in Brisbane, um, play some cricket, and he, uh, you know, he just sort of said, gave him the opportunity to come down, and 
and Benny Mack come down and, and had a really good start to his uh, first class career last year. He, he played a few games for us and, and did really, really well. Um, so, uh, you know, there was always some great signs about him. He's just got a really good temperament. You know, he's um, pretty, you know, really likeable guy and really quiet guy, but he's he just when he gets out into the contest, mate, he really competes and uh, you know he's done he's done brilliantly so far for the Tigers. And then last night, uh, in his only second game for the Hurricanes, to score um, you know the highest score certainly for us and our very first hundred actually since uh, since we've been in the competition, um, you know, it says a lot about a young kid at 22. Well, a likable and lovable bloke. Obviously, he's nothing like his old man. Um, <laughs> and let him know I said that too, just quietly. But um, when when you chase such a big score like that, I, I looked at it and thought, right, Payne's got to get runs this short. I don't know too much about him, but he's got to go. Bailey's got to go. Now, yeah. I haven't seen too much of, of McDermott. Um, I've, I've heard a little bit about him. He, he got some, some runs um, a, go, a couple of games ago, got a good 35. As coach, and having spent the time with him that you have, did you see an innings like this coming from him, or was it a complete oh, surprise? Yeah, look, we, we knew he was he was striking the ball so well. I mean, to bring in a, a guy and leave somebody out like Kumar Sangakara, it's got to say there's something about him, yep. you know. And um, we, we uh, it was just a matter of when we were going to be able to get him into the team, uh, and to to say that you know, look, I. Oh, I knew he'd do some great things. He, he's just been a, he's a terrific striker of the ball, and he's done, you know, every time he stepped up to play um, at the highest level, he's just excelled. So we, we, we had high expectations, there, but I don't know if I thought he was going to get 100 and, uh, 110 off about 52 balls, mate. I, I um, you know, I thought that was just extraordinary. So, yeah, 114 off 52 balls. Uh, I didn't expect that, mate, but. Um, I certainly did expect to see what George Bailey did. Um, you know, he played an anchor role, and he doesn't often do that for us, mate. Oh, mate the thing about George Bailey, and it's probably with with the selectors overlooking him for this one day, as I don't want to say it, but you have to think that that would be the end of his his one day um, career uh, that they've gone for younger blokes. But he, he's been absolutely fantastic, and he's got to be one of the most underrated blokes going around. He's just unassuming, um, and when he gets out there, he gets the job done. I love the way he just goes along, plods along, and then he just pulls a six out of nowhere. And you sit there and think, geez, yeah. I didn't see that coming. But he's been absolutely fantastic for you blokes. Um, how has uh, Stuart Broad fitted in? Yeah, look, mate, um, Brody's been awesome. Um, he, he's just come really committed and really keen to, um, you know, put on a really good show. And, uh, you know, he had a point to prove, too. When we first signed um, Brody, he was really keen to, to play uh, white ball cricket. He hadn't done it for a while over in the UK. So he was really keen to, to get over here and make a bit of a statement. And, you know, and I think you can see from his just his commitment in the field and, and how he is when he's bowling, charging in for us, that he is... Um, you know, he's fully invested into the Hurricanes program and, mate, he has been awesome and uh, I couldn't I couldn't speak highly enough of him, you know. He's he's great around the guys. He helps all the, the young bowlers that we've got in Rainbird and Kingston, uh, you know, and, and, you know, young Reed is from Victoria there. He's been talking to them and, mate, he's been awesome. He really has. So I was really happy for him the other night to, to be out there at the end and, and hit the winning runs and, um, you know, have a few Aussies loving him rather than hating him, mate. Well, I was going to say that directly he's taken a leaf out of Murley's book and Freddie Flintoff and Kevin Peterson is that they, I reckon they're the most hated cricketers of all time. They've come over, <laughs> embraced this brig bash, and all of a sudden the Aussies yeah. love him. So do you reckon Suey Broad's just looked back and think, I can get these blokes to love me. I'll go and play <laughs> big bash. And it, yeah. as you said, he's fitted in beautifully, hasn't he? Oh, mate, he's been awesome, yeah. Look, um, you know, again, he's it, just he's, that he's a competitor, mate. He's a real competitor and he wants to win and um, he's just been great around our group so as I said mate I was really really thrilled for him um, you know to be on the receiving end of a few cheers mate rather than booze you know yeah no good on him and probably we've focused a lot on the batting with, with Bailey and Payne and Short and um, now McDermott uh, the overseas players but two blokes I'm interested in um, Jake Reed, um, obviously yep. he's had his injury troubles over the years, but you, you're stuck with him and also uh, big Shawnee Tate um, I love love watching him bowl and yeah. the fast bowlers cop a fair bit of stick, but um, how are those two guys going for you? Yeah, they're going good. I mean, it was a bit unfortunate. Perot Tatey um, hurt his elbow probably about uh, two or three games ago, and um, it flared up pretty bad. Um, and, and, you know, again, it was, it's been a, an injury that he's had to, 
to sort of manage and, and uh, you know, and see what he could do with it for, for a number of years. And I, I guess last year, you know, he didn't have that issue with it. And he had a fantastic uh, big bash last year. And uh, unfortunately, this year it did flare up for him. So he was pretty sore, mate. And, yep. and um, you know, had uh, a couple of games off. We brought him back for a must-win game against the Thunder that it just, you know, unfortunately for him, and he was the first to admit it, it just wasn't coming out well for him. So, um, yeah, it's, he'll be okay, mate. He's got another year with us down yep. here, and he loves it. Um, well, can you, just, I, I, can you just pass on a message from me? If he's yeah, having trouble with his right elbow, drink with his yeah. left hand. When he goes out drinking, drink with his left hand because he, he puts a few of those down and it just may yeah. take a little bit of pressure off. Yeah, that's exactly right, big fella. I actually said that to him too. I said, start drinking with your left hand, mate. I reckon it's not working. But he's um, yeah, but he'll be fine, mate. He'll come yeah. back bigger than better, I reckon, um, next year. And I guess we've still got one game to get through. And if we can make finals and, and, and sort of try and get him fit and firing for those, then, you know, look out. But... Uh, with Reedy, mate, he's going really, really well. He's had um, some setbacks in the last couple of years with the Big Bash. Um, coming from Victoria, he's been had a few niggles and things yeah. like that. So, knee, knee problems, haven't they, Ben? Yeah, yeah, knee problem. Um, so he's and again, he's he's um, we've kept him sort of, you know, raring to go and and uh, you know you know him as well as anyone. Murphy. He's pretty keen and wants to have a crack. So we we got him out there on the ground uh, the other night, mate, and he charged in. He only knows one way, Reedy. So. Um, you know, look at uh, he'll be good for the run, mate. As they say in racing. Yep. A couple of technical ones before we let you go, Damien. We thank you for being so generous with your time. The quality of fielding, George Bailey during the coverage was quite critical of not only your team but across the board the the standard of fielding in the Big Bash. One, what do you put it down to? And two, how have you gone about it as a side to try and make sure you can lift the bar? Yeah, it's, uh, I'll tell you what, I think um, that's been probably one of the, the um, topics of conversation with us as a team has been our fielding has sort of let us down. In the games that we've lost, it's, it's been pretty much been the fielding. We, we, um, we, we've pinpointed a few things. We've let down some tough uh, chances. But, you, you, you know, when you drop Chris Lynn in the third or fourth over, you, you're going to pay for it, you know. And we did. We dropped him and then we dropped um, Brendan McCullum in about the fifth over and the game's over. So... Um, it has been disappointing. It really has, and to put a finger on what it actually is, I'm not too sure. We've um, we've done a lot of work in our ground fitting, our high balls, and all sorts of stuff. But you know, again, the other night um, at Eddie had, I thought our fielding in particular was probably the worst we've done. Um, so it was interesting. We have a thing that if you field the best, you'll win the game. Um, but uh, you know, last night, the other night, um, it, that was certainly wasn't the case. I thought our fielding was terrible. So. Um, to win the game when we, uh, you know, again, we didn't hit our KPIs with that was interesting. So I, I think it's a lot of things. I, I actually think there's a, it's just the pressure and some people deal with it better than others. Um, there's a lot of noise and a lot of stuff like that, but you've got to deal with that. And when the ball's up in the air and it goes, you know, outside the stadium, some of them, and they come back down through the lights, you've just got to try and do your very best to hang on to them. So um, I, I think it's been a, a mixture of a bit of pressure and, a lot of people watching and all that sorts of all those sorts of things, but uh, we've we just got to continue to keep working on it. Well, mate, all all good uh, going forward. You got the the Scorchers game. Good luck with that. But before I let you go, I'll let you off the hook with the the cricketing side of things as such. Now, I dare say you would have played a fair bit um, with Brett Jeeves over the years. Um, he's he's got a fair bit to say. Like now, I'm, yeah. you probably know him a little bit better than me. I'm trying to figure out whether it's tongue in cheek, whether he's taking the piss, whether he's whether he's serious, or whether he's just a loose cannon, or basically all of the above. We've lost it. I think we've just lost it. Oh, he's hung so up on us. He time, didn't want to answer the question. Timing was uh, far from <laughs> ideal. Uh, look, uh, he's raised a few eyebrows, but uh, he's had a good effect. We, I think, as yeah. you said, it's in tongue-in-cheek. Tongue in we do thank Damien for his time. He's uh, we'll a great ring, fella. Yeah, we'll have to ring him up and thank him because he obviously he's dropped out there. But um, hasn't he been fantastic? He's coaching Tassie, coaching Hobart. He's been bowling coach of the Victorian side. He's been over to New Zealand, coached over there. So I'm officially calling him a journeyman of the cricket. Well, if you just bear with us a tick, Murph, I think we've got him back on the line. So... Uh, oh, here is Damien Wright, who's joined us <laughs> once again. So, did you, did you get that question, mate? <laughs> I was going to say, Merv, that would have sounded very odd. That because I got to just, the end of that question, and then it looks like I just hang up. Yeah, so that, thought, that's no what way. I thought. I thought he doesn't <laughs> want to answer that question, obviously. But um, yeah, sorry, sorry to throw that at you. Which, which is it? Do you reckon? Is it all of the above, or is it one more than the other? <laughs> 
mate. I think he's too clever for me, Jeezy, and he always was. I mean, <laughs> if I say something, it'll be a huge article about me tomorrow. But, uh, look, I think, you know, look, he's he writes some really good ones as well, and um, he has a bit of a, a stab at himself at times and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, look, um, it's an interesting one to take on Big Buff. I don't know whether I'd be doing that, mate. And I've... I read the article and had a bit of a chuckle, but um, I'm not sure he's got his stats right. <laughs> the games I played with Jeeves, I saw Buff hit every one of us. <laughs> so um, he, I must have been playing those games that Jeezy knocked you over. <laughs> oh, mate, good on you. Thank, on thanks note. very much for, for joining us. Um, you've, you've been very um, yeah, very good with your time. So, uh, mate, really no worries, enjoy buddy. talking to you and, and good luck with the, the game against the Scorchers and going forward. Uh, Cheers, man. Good on you, mate. Thanks, boys. Good Cheers, on you, Damien, Thank you, Damien. Damien Wright, the, the coach of the Hobart Hurricanes. A really likeable fella. And he is, isn't he? Credit where it's due. You you said he's been doing a great job. He mentioned Simon Helmet as well. They've yeah. uh, been involved in the Victorian system. But it's been a bit of a struggle for the Hurricanes, and occasionally that consistency can be hard to uh, find in the Big Bash arena. But who knows? Yeah. They've turned the corner. If they beat the Scorchers, they could find themselves in the finals. Well, in the finals. And um, probably they'd uh, having a look at their record, they'd almost prefer to play away from home um, they're, they're uh, lost a couple of games at home uh, so they lost to the Stars and the Thunder um, they've, they've beaten the Renegades away um, so yeah listen it might it'd be an interesting one to see but they're, they're a chance if they, they win against the Scorchers and that's going to be a tough ask um, they're a chance to make the, the finals and I meant to ask him if Hobart Hurricanes are going to play anyone in a final, who, who are we going to beat? So uh, we didn't get around to that. But uh, certainly all it's all still a chance. Renegades are a chance still, and they're below the Hurricanes. First match of the double header is underway. We'll uh, get a score check from Sydney in a moment. None for 13 it was, I think, before the commercial break on the TV up above. We're going to take a break, Merv. Come back, wrap things up, and pick your brain about the squad to tour India that will be announced tomorrow morning. It's Stumps all around Australia. Listening to Stumps. And good to have you with us, Tristan Fernanda with Merv Hughes as we slowly wind to a close. A wicket has fallen, that of Lum of the Sixers. They find themselves one for 16 after 2.5 overs. In fact, one for 17 as Maddinson just nudges one off his pads for a single. As we seek to wrap up, Merv, the squad for yes. the India tour will be announced tomorrow morning. It Are we expecting be. any surprises? Because I know I asked you this question last week. You said you had it. A very difficult task of trying to right. jam thirty or so players into fifteen spots. How have well, you worked it out? I reckon I reckon I had twenty-seven uh, last week. I've narrowed that now to twenty-two. I've got I've got eleven certainties, but three of those certainties are with asterisks. So Kawaja, Wade, Renshaw. So Kawaja and Wade, despite people suggesting their ability to play spin might be uh, not at the desired level, you're going to I've got, I've got back their good form of recent yes, time. Yes, but with an good. asterisk. So okay. it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if they don't go. Um, with Neville um, in the Sean, Sean Marsh um, to, to come back in, obviously. But um, Pattinson coming, so Bird, Mitch Marsh, Cartwright, Sayers, Meany, Ferg, Maddinson, probably... Um, and there's a couple of other batsmen in there that, that have got a bit of a chance. But, um, gee, Warner Smith, you reckon a certainty. Stark, Lyon, Hazelwood, Hanscom. Um, and, and you would suggest O'Keefe because they've told him not to play the, the big bash to get himself right for India. So I'll tell you what, if you were Steve O'Keefe and you weren't picked for India, I reckon you'd be dirty. Yeah, you'd be bloody filthy. Yeah, so, and he's mate, gone back to great cricket. Yeah, Look, granted, it's a fair few for, rungs down the ladder, but nine, nine for at any level is fairly handy. That's the thing. But the thing about this, and I've always said it, is from the selector's point of view, when you've got to worry about who to leave out, you're in a good position. So they could pick any one of 30 players to go to India and it wouldn't raise an eyebrow. I don't think there's going to be any surprises. Um, the surprise, the only, having said that, they might, they've got to, I reckon they've got to take a leg spinner. So whether it's, there's been a, a real argument last couple of days about Sweepson getting in, Zampa's been doing okay in the limited overs. There's a, a couple of leg spinners they've got to choose from. They might take, two or three leg spinners. You, you don't know how many they're resigned to. So, you know, if they have a squad of um, 14, you'd think it'd be 
pretty tight. But if they had an extended squad, uh, just to see how those league spinners went, they got a training camp in, in Dubai on the way over, um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. It certainly will be, and despite the Aussies seemingly being down and out about a month and a half ago, oh, they were quite savage the bloom, on them. Wasn't it? They turned the corner, they've played some fantastic cricket, that said. Going over to India and being competitive is a different kettle of fish. Maintain the faith, my friend. Maintain the faith. Um, Hanscom plays spin as well as he plays plays the quicks. You've got um, Smith that's going to be in good form. Warner at the top. Renshaw or or Sean Marsh. Um, Sean Marsh or uh, Kawaja at three. So they've got options. And let's not forget what... Um, Sean Marsh did in Sri Lanka. Australia were really struggling. Came into that third test and albeit they got beaten, he got a, a test hundred. So he, he's pretty good against the spin. Um, so it'll be it'll be a tough assignment, but um, it'll be interesting to see um, what what squad they come up with. Sixes move along to one for eighteen after three point four overs. A brief comment from you, Merv, on tomorrow's game: Australia taking on Pakistan at the MCG. Are you expecting any changes? And um, do you think? Pakistan can reverse the result. If you're in Victoria, please get down, support the Aussie boys. We want to see our best players play. Here's an opportunity to. They're, they're up against uh, Pakistan. Pakistan, again, they've got to win a couple of these games to automatically qualify for the World Cup. So don't think they're, they're poor form. They weren't that far away in Brisbane. Um, they fell short in they're one of They're just very Jekyll and Hyde. It happens yeah. very quickly. So... They, 5 for 75 they had the Aussies just need another breakthrough um, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Australia are going to comfortably win tomorrow but I'd be surprised if they didn't As we say each and every week Merv time flies when we're having fun you certainly did have two Bob <laughs> each way uh, we could talk for a whole lot longer yes. but we're out of time 1 for 24 now the Sixers the Scorchers take on the Stars later you have a great week in the world of cricket we look forward to your company again same time same place next weekend See ya Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91.